I wonder if you've ever been accused of having no common sense. You say, not since lunchtime, maybe. Um, you say or you do something wrong, something crass, and it prompts the question, where's your common sense? You've just shown a marked lack of wisdom. And that's the buzzword for tonight. We've entitled it Pursuing Wisdom. So I speak in praise of wisdom. And of course, the book to turn to is the book of Proverbs, because its subject throughout is just that, wisdom. Its central challenge to each of us is to pursue wisdom. Do you know, we sit under the teaching of the Word of God week by week, listening to these wonderful sermons in order to be made wise, even wise unto salvation and equipped for living successfully in the world. The best way to learn wisdom is to hear and heed God's Word, the indispensable Bible. Proverbs, though written by men, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God came through redeemed human minds. Here is teaching that relates to life in the world. It's not worldly wisdom, but godly wisdom for living right in the world. It's a correlation of truth and life. And Christians take their faith into all areas of daily life, into their home, into their marriage, into their job, to their school, their university, to their leisure, every area of life. Wisdom is always active. Wisdom is an attribute of God. In infinite wisdom, He made the world... He guides its affairs, and He governs every single event that occurs. God, the Bible says, is all-knowing and all-wise. A God-like person, a godly person, is wise also and thirsty for knowledge. Wisdom, we say, is a communicable attribute of God. Uh, it has to do, in the first place, with how we think, our mindset. It's a capacity of the mind. It relates to the intellect, but it has a moral aspect to it. Faced with a problem, as often we are, we seek out a counselor whom we deem to be wise, and he becomes our counselor. He's wise. Uh, and, and, and we deem him in that way. His thinking is sound. Verse 14 of this chapter says, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have understanding and power. Ezekiel cites Daniel, you remember Daniel in the Old Testament, as an example of a wise man. Uh, he had a reputation for outstanding wisdom, so his Counsel was frequently sought. Daniel was wise and righteous. 
although he never described himself as, as either. That judgment was the conclusion of others as they observed his life. A man wise in his own eyes isn't wise at all. He's a fool. Some may have been cleverer than Daniel, but he ex excelled all his peers <clears throat> in wisdom. There are wise women, of course. In the Old Testament, there's the lovely Abigail, who showed wisdom in handling a crisis involving uh, David and her then-husband, Nabal. His name meant stupid fool. I don't know what his parents were thinking of when they, when they named him. Come in, stupid fool. Your tea's ready. It's, it's, it's just an odd name. But uh, we can't go into that story. But he died. And uh, David was so impressed with Abigail, Abigail's wisdom, he married her. So there's wisdom that is universal, universally available, men and women. And there's wisdom in the book of Proverbs that teaches us uh, that re repentance toward God is wisdom. Wisdom lies in that very turning from sin. Verse 13, fearing the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and perverted speech, which the Lord hates. Young people, you don't mean to tell you that there's no wisdom uh, in sin. There's no wisdom in addiction to drugs, to alcohol, to um, gambling, to pornography. All these things can capture us, but they're foolish. Wise people don't allow these things to take over their lives. Micah 5.9 says, To fear God's name is wisdom. So repentance and personal devotion to God is wisdom. Verse 34, personal devotion to God. The self-absorbed and self-satisfied fool doesn't seriously want to be a better person at all. The wise man is teachable, responding in humility to correction. We heard something about that this morning. Now, we're thankful for scholars, I must say that. Our universities abound with academics knowledgeable on every conceivable subject. But people of wisdom are less plentiful. The greater emphasis in our modern world is on knowledge, especially technological knowledge. Many see more and better education to be the answer to both our personal problems, our national problems, and our international problems. But I remember when I was a teenager hearing Billy Graham preach, and something he said stuck, stuck with me. He said, there's only one thing worse than a sinner, and that's an educated sinner. That stayed with me. Observe how some tutors and students behave and you wouldn't always use the word wise or moral. The wise, what I'm trying to say, is are not the intelligentsia. Some intellectuals are daft. And I won't mention any names just yet. Do you desire to be wise tonight? Have you an appetite for wisdom? And the principle of Seek and you shall find operates here in verse 17. If you lack knowledge, go to school, go to university. If you lack wisdom, 
get on your knees. Seek the Lord. Proverbs 2, 6 says, The Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. And James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Who is wise and understanding? He goes on in verse 13 of chapter 3. By his good conduct, let him show his deeds in the humility that comes from wisdom. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, then considerate, then submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's wisdom. If you lack this wisdom, keep company with those who obviously have it. The wisest people in the world are those who know God. So it's to your profit to mix with the people of God. In the parable, if you remember, there were two kinds of virgins. There were five wise and there were five foolish. Just as there are two kinds of people in the world, the wise and the foolish. All of us are born foolish. So the Bible teaches the thought of foolishness is sin. Sin and folly go together. Solomon said folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And it will remain there unless removed by discipline and divine grace. The person who says in his heart, there is no God, in Bible terms, is a fool. Yet Richard Dawkins has turned that statement on its head along with Christopher Hitchens. Uh, what they say is anyone who believes in God, anyone who says God exists is a fool, Richard Dawkins thinks if you believe in God tonight, you're an idiot. Well, he's daft, isn't he? He's one of those daft, supposed to be the third most intelligent man in the world. How do they know that? They've never spoken to me. <laughs> God exists. It's the wisest statement you can make. It's a start, anyway. What do you think? Wisdom is revealed in what you believe. And in how you behave, your awareness of the future, uh, your appreciation of your mortality, your sense of your need of God, your ultimate and certain accountability to God. So it, it's true. Proverbs extols wisdom. But the entire Bible, the entire Bible is a volume of wisdom. And if we listen to its teaching, we'll become wise. Here are the oracles of God. In the garden, uh, Satan tempted Eve in her state of innocence, inciting her to disobey God by taking of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God had specifically forbidden. And three appealing um, elements of the tree are listed. It was pleasant to the eye. It was good to eat. And it was a tree to be, desired, to be desired to make one wise. The innate human desire to be wise was there from the beginning. And true wisdom, if acquired, uses knowledge to live life wholesomely, harmoniously. Its characteristics are insight and patience 
diligence, trustworthiness, self-control. Ladies, you might like this. In chapter 8, wisdom is portrayed as feminine. Makes good sense, doesn't it? She, she's contrasted, she's referred to as she, contrasted with the wicked woman of chapter five, six, chapters 5, 6, and 7, where the emphasis is on secrecy and intrigue, how adulterers work mostly in the dark behind closed doors and evil furtively stalks its victims. But Lady Wisdom is desirable in all her purity. Uh, she's, she's the wicked woman's delightful rival presenting an alternative lifestyle. Those who reject her her are plunged into ruin. The developing youth with raging hormones is exhorted to allow this good lady, rather than the wicked one, the prostitute, to take possession of his body, mind, and soul. And if he does, he will come to no harm. Lady Wisdom offers pure and lasting pleasure. Her ways lead to life. So the young man is in courage to embrace wisdom. I detected a hint of wisdom in the words of a certain comedian notorious for his crudity and foul language, five times married and divorced. He concluded, I want now to meet someone who will make me a better person. Well, wisdom can and will make you a better person. And though metaphorically wisdom is female and chapter 8 here, we see an unmistakable portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, In all that wisdom is, you find in him. So chapter 8 has him in mind as you read, and uh, you'll find that allusions to his character in the New Testament confirm what you read in Proverbs. The power and wisdom of God are seen in fullest measure and clearest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the incarnate wisdom of God, the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Study his life and you realize that he thought wisely, he spoke wisely, and he acted wisely. And it's a wisdom he's willing to share with us. It's a communicable attribute issuing from our sound relationship with God endued by the Holy Spirit. Christ's wisdom was recognized even by his enemies. Now, I was listening to Clive James last Sunday morning. He gives a wee talk about 10 to 9 on a Sunday morning. And he was extolling the merits of Jesus Christ. Didn't believe in him as the Son of God or, or Savior. He, he rubbished saviorhood. But... He was acknowledging what a great man Jesus Christ was. That's not enough, but it was interesting. In his enemies in Matthew 13, 54 says, we read this, coming to his hometown, Jesus began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed and said, where did this man get this wisdom? They were impressed. 1 Corinthians 1, 24 To those whom God has called, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. God is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom he has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. 
So chapter 8 summarizes the good things about wisdom, all of which are in him. So five quick points in the time remaining, and I've made a very poor attempt at alliteration. Um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to talk about the abomination of alliteration, and uh, I think it sunk into me, and uh, I'm not very good at it. Verses 1 to 5, wisdom's revale. We'll come to that. 6 to 9, wisdom and righteousness. 10 to 21, wisdom's reward. 22 to 31, wisdom's role. 32 to 36, wisdom's response. Now, wisdom's revale. Her bugle call, a wake-up call, proclaiming, proclaiming herself as good news to the Jewish nation and the entire world. Let every human situation on earth be flooded with the surfeit of wisdom. God would have us all be made wise, for wisdom offers three things, the best principles to live by, the most valuable benefits to enjoy, and the richest life to live. Verse 4, to you, O men, I call out and raise my voice to all mankind, male, female, high, low, young, old, bright, dull, healthy, handicapped. She's advertising her value. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up, shouted in a loud voice so that everyone could hear. John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He preached his greatest sermon atop a mountain to crowds desiring to see and to be seen. His disciples' commission was, look, take this message into the highways and the byways, into every land, every nation, every language, every people. God has no favorites. He's got no favorites. He, he doesn't ask if you play golf mercifully. He doesn't ask you what position you hold in your firm. He's not concerned about your nationality, your skin color what you wear, how your bank balance stands. He doesn't look for professionals. He doesn't look for the well-connected. He doesn't care who your parents are, what car you drive. He doesn't care which school or university you went to. He asks for no references before imparting his favor. This is Jesus' gospel. Come just as you are, Whoever you are, whatever you've done, I will receive you on condition you are willing to change and be changed. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not turn away, be they poor, blind, crippled, or maimed. There's nothing esoteric in Christianity. Secret societies abound in the world but are anathema to Christ. Christianity has nothing in its creed it wishes to hide from anyone. It has no elite. Exclusive groups requiring ritual initiation, special nomination, taking of solemn oaths, or huge membership fees are alien to the Christian ethos. In the day of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ has an open door for all comers. No one receives royalties from God's Word, the Bible. Its single author 
God himself has given this book to the world freely. And in the providence of God, it's the cheapest book in the world to buy, or almost, and yet the most valuable to own. Often available absolutely free. If you don't possess a Bible tonight, see me afterwards. I'll give you mine. Autograph. And if you walk off with that red Bible in the pulpit, and of course all Bibles should be read, um, if you walk off with that Bible, we won't report you to the police. We'll put the flags out. Uh, if I used to say to the pastor, someone pinched a Bible in Charlotte Chapel tonight, you know what he'd say? Praise the Lord. Because we strive to make this book as widely available as possible. By the way, don't all take your Bibles away tonight. Um, but no book is given away as enthusiastically as the Bible. As for this place in Rose Street, which has been here for a long time, it's where the church meets, you weren't charged admission when you came in. You didn't have, a give, you didn't have to give a special handshake. You didn't have to show a membership card. And the people you met on the way in weren't bouncers. All are welcome. Seats are given free. This is Sunshine Corner. Because the great word of the gospel is, whosoever will may come. The promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call Wisdom stood at the city gates, we are told in this chapter, verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching, waiting at my door. And then 1 Corinthians 1.26 lists the kind of people who chiefly respond to the call of wisdom, to the call of Christ. People who are now Paul's brothers in Christ. He reminds them, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by worldly standards. Not many influential, not many of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. He chose foolish things, made them wise, lowly things, and made them noble, weak things, and made them strong, non-entities, and gave them significance, and the despised, and made them desirable. And then secondly, wisdom and righteousness, verse 6 to 9. Righteousness is proper order. It's right living. The definition of righteousness, thinking, being, doing what is right, according to conscience in the sight of God. Wisdom includes obedience, but it also has to do with successful relationships to God with people and creation. Wisdom can achieve that for us. Wisdom loves what God loves and hates what God hates. And God loves righteousness. He hates iniquity. Verse 8, there's nothing twisted or crooked about wisdom's message. Personal conversion is often expressed as a call to repentance. So the agent, the evangelist, therefore, is one who turns many to righteousness, to God's salvation, thereby hiding a multitude of sins. Christ becomes our righteousness. If I can find a, 
uh, a proof text. My brothers, if, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Christ becomes our righteousness. He's made unto us wisdom and righteousness and redemption. We are clothed by His grace with His own goodness. It's the wise who turn many to righteousness. He who wins souls is wise. The purpose of Christian ministry lies just there. The goal of preaching lies just there. The foolishness of preaching is wise. And thirdly, 10 to 21, wisdom's reward. Wisdom is more precious than silver, gold, or rubies. It's its own reward and predominantly spiritual. The reward is. Wisdom enriches human life. Chapter 3, verse 13 says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, who gains understanding. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. All her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be happy. Wisdom's reward is success, victory, and joy. It teaches you not how to make a good living. You might know how to do that. Wisdom won't teach you how to make a good living. It teaches you how to live a good life. Material rewards have value, but they're not enduring. You've got to leave it all behind. But judgment, understanding, endure. Character endures. He who does the will of God endures forever. Wisdom leads to a substantial inheritance, verse 21, filling our treasuries with riches that are not subject to market fluctuation and which never lose their value. You, can be, you can't be swindled out of them. There's a man called Madoff in America. He's made off with $50 billion. What do you do with $50 billion? I would settle for a lot less in my life. But he, it's all worth nothing to him now. But character persists. Um, Proverbs 4, 6, 9. Don't forsake wisdom. She'll protect you. Love her, she will watch over you. Esteem her, she will exalt you. Embrace her, she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Are you looking for wisdom? Are you pursuing wisdom tonight? Then fourthly, 22 to 31, which is the high water mark of the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is directly linked with creation theology. Wisdom accepts and understands the universe to be the creation of God in spite of what the new atheists are saying to you. It's a wise position to hold seeing the universe as a harmonious whole, sovereignly ordered by one Lord so that all things have their proper period, place, and purpose. Again, we think of Christ and His particular role in creation. We read, all things were made by Him and for Him. Don't forget that last bit. You might be prepared to believe that he made all things, but you were made for him. 
By him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Without him was not anything made that was made. Wisdom was with and in God from eternity, before anything else existed. Um, Christ is the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, only wise God. Through him creation came into being. Viewing creation honestly, you will see wisdom in it all. The cosmologist, the physicist, the chemist, the mathematician, the astronomer, the biologist, the artist, they're all acquainted with wisdom in their disciplines. Where did it come from? The things around you, beneath you, and above you proclaim and breathe freedom and wisdom. The heavens declare God's glory. The earth proclaim his handiwork, proclaims his handiwork. God was pleased with creation because it was the fruit of wisdom. According to chapter 8 here, it was all very good. So God says rhetorically to Job, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Richard Dawkins wasn't there. Nor was Christopher Hitchens and all the new atheists. They weren't. Where were you when I did all this? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. On what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Universal order is observable to all but the skeptical. It's a profitable thing to believe in God's created order. I bought something yesterday from the, from the TV. Not the TV, the, the computer. Um, I paid 13 pounds for it. It's a bargain because it's normally 40 pounds. It's, it's this, the DVDs of the planet Earth. You know, the series and the, the nature program. I think I'll get the silent version and cut David Attenborough out. <laughs> Not the wisest cookie on the planet. Doesn't it annoy you when they talk about the theory of evolution and state it as a fact? Um, but but and, and, and a few years ago, the blue planet. Oh, the photography was absolutely amazing. So I'm looking forward to... When, when I watch these things, in my heart, I'm worshiping and praising God for, for his wonderful creation, for his wonderful order, the, the purpose, the balance, the variety, the color, the order, the imagination, the detail, the dovetailing, the fine-tuning of the universe, breathtaking beauty and wonder. The heavens declare the glory of God. And in Psalm 19, you'll find that, that uh, you, you see God's wonder in the universe and what he's written in nature is also written in Scripture. I've used scenes from these programs with awe and wonder and Paul states, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and beyond finding out. I'm al almost finished Paul has shown how 
God's wisdom also is not only seen in the created universe, but in the redemption of the universe. The same wisdom that created the universe procured salvation for humanity. And he's going to renew the heavens and the earth because they've been marred. Creation and human souls are cursed because of sin. But God had the power and the wisdom to redeem. And when disorder and ugliness came into humanity, when cosmos became chaos, he implemented a scheme of redemption through the sacrifice of his only son. So finally, the last few verses, 32 to 36, blessed are those who listen to her voice. They will share God's own joy because God still rejoices in his creation though marred by human sin, because he is able to make all things new. And living under his smile is life abundant. Psalm 16, verse 11, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So this is the final word on this chapter on wisdom. If you can find me, if you find me, you find life and obtain favor from the Lord. Miss me, and you miss life and injure yourself. And that's also true of Christ, of seeking Christ after Christ. 1 John 5, 12, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And the wrath of God abides on him. You're only truly alive when you're in a right relationship with the God of all wisdom through the Son. This is superlative life we're speaking of. John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. All this stirs us up then into making a choice. It's very personal. Wisdom, again, is personified in these last few verses. It's equated with life itself. But let's be clear, we're speaking of Christ, who is the wisdom of God. Wisdom presented as the secret of happiness to all who listen and retain this message. There must be a personal response. I came that you might have life and that you might have it in all its fullness, but you will not come to me that you might have life. So don't let the opportunity slip tonight. Treat this matter with seriousness and enjoy God's promise because the wise have a great future. Not like Mr. Madoff. Don't know what his future is going to be. The wise have a great future. According to Daniel 12 and verse 3, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. What a promise. The wise are those whose thinking is determined, um, whose words are governed, and whose lives are lived in harmony with the purposes of God for which he created the world. The wise acknowledge God. They bow and they they become linked to God and His heavenly court. And they shine like stars in a dark world now, and they will shine more brightly in the world 
to come. I'd like to win your soul tonight. He who wins souls is wise. The wise are those who, according to God's promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. My life was changed in my teens after I was converted by reading a biography. And um, the whole direction of my life was changed, reading about this young man who gave his life for Christ at the age of 26 in Ecuador. And I've quoted him to congregations till maybe they're fed up with hearing it. But I'm going to close with a statement that I latched onto the moment I read it from Jim Elliot. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. They're great words. They're wise words. And if you give your life to Christ, he'll keep you through all eternity. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do worship you as God immortal, invisible, only wise, our Creator and our Savior, wise in all your ways. We worship you, we praise you, and we praise the Lord Jesus, your Son, in whom your wisdom dwelt to perfection and was so wonderfully revealed in all he said and did. Our Savior, free from all mistakes, error, indiscretion, he was wholly harmless, undefiled, and apart from sinners, well qualified to be our Redeemer, the spotless Lamb of God who was able to take upon him the sin of the world and to bear it away. He did it so successfully. And now we can benefit from the loving wisdom of our God in Christ. So we thank you for him. In his own name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to uh, sing our closing hymn. It's uh, Be Thou My Vision.